let us just remind ourselves what we always do every Sunday, and I hope you remind yourself every day that here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and that everyone that believes in Jesus Christ is a child of God, let us say it together, the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we bless your holy name this morning. We thank you for your love and for your faithfulness. And thank you for your word through which you speak to us, through which you reveal yourself, your plans, and your ways to us. And this morning as we look into it, we pray that your Holy Spirit who indwells us, the one that you've given us to teach us and to reveal your truth to us, will enable us to understand it and apply it in our own lives so that through it, Lord, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So last Sunday, we saw that uh, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. After Judah's plea, Joseph was so emotional, he couldn't hold himself, and he told them, I am Joseph, your brother, and they shared that moment together. He embraced them. They embraced him. Joseph shed tears. His brothers shed tears. And then Joseph sent his brothers to bring their father to Egypt. Joseph told his brothers not to be distressed, not to be angry against themselves, not to quarrel on the way, because God sent him so that he may save many. Joseph at this point understands that his presence in Egypt is God's plan. That he is not in Egypt by accident. He is in Egypt because God wants him to be there. It's important for us to realize that regardless of the processes that we go through, regardless of the difficulties that we may experience in this life, God will still accomplish what he intends to accomplish. No pain, no sorrow that will stop him from doing what he wants to do. So today we are looking at chapter 46 through chapter 49. Joseph's brothers return home. They, are, they, they return home with a lot of gifts, gifts from Joseph to bring to their father, but also with enough horses and donkeys to carry back his father and his family. 
And when they come to Canaan where Joseph's father is, they tell Jacob about Joseph. When Jacob hears that his son Joseph is still alive, he almost dies from heart attack. But when he sees the material evidence, his heart is revived and he becomes so joyful. And Jacob decides to join his sons and their wives to go back to Egypt. But Jacob is also afraid. He is concerned because Canaan is supposed to be the land of promise. It's the land that the Lord promised Abraham and Isaac. So Jacob is concerned. He's, he's actually anxious. What would happen when I go to Egypt? And what would happen to the land of promise? That is his concern. And so he arrives at a place called Beersheba, and he stops there to worship, to express his fears, to express his anxiousness to the Lord. Turn with me to Genesis 46. Genesis 46. And let's look from verse 1 to verse 7. So Israel which is another name for Jacob, set out with all that was, was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to God, the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. So when Jacob expresses his fear to the Lord concerning the land of promise and the unknown future in Egypt, God responds to him in a vision. He responds to him with promises. He responds to him with assurance. He says in verse 3, Jacob responds, here I am, and God says in verse 3, I am God, the God of your father. He introduces himself. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. So God is telling Jacob, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because God knows that Jacob is afraid. He's anxious, he's concerned. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. Why? For I will make you into a great nation there. God is making a promise to Jacob. He's telling him, in Egypt, you are going to be a great nation. That's my intention. The second thing he says in verse 4, I will go down to Egypt with you. He's assuring Jacob, you're not going there alone. I am going there with you. 
And then he makes another promise. He says, I will surely bring you back again. One, he tells him, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. Why? Because I will make you a great nation in Egypt. And secondly, I will go with you. And whenever the Lord goes with you, he leads the way. I will go with you. And then he tells him, and I will bring you back again. You will return to the land of promise. So God is directly responding to Jacob's fears here. He is telling him of what will happen in his future. He is telling him that he will be with him throughout. And he is telling him that I will be taking care of your land. You will be back. I will bring you back. In other words, I am taking you there and I am going to bring you back. The one who leads you in is the one who will always lead you out. When the Lord leads you in, the Lord will leads you out. Another promise that he makes here, he says, Joseph, Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. This one tells us that Jacob was also concerned about his death. And God is telling him, you will die in the presence of your son. You will have a peaceful homecoming. So if he is going to die in the presence of Joseph, that is likely to happen in Egypt. So that means the returning to Canaan that the Lord is talking about is not just about Jacob. It's about the nation of Israel. Because his family is going to be a great nation, and God is telling him, I will return you back. So the promise is not just limited to the person of Jacob. The promise is to his family as well. And why is God giving this promise? Why is God giving promises in the Bible anyway? Because when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will find promises, 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 so many promises that God is giving in his word. Why would he give us promises? There's a reason for that. And it's important for us to know not only the promises that God gives us, but also why. And we also give promises, right? There's a promise that I made to my wife that I'm yet to fulfill. And I must. I have to fulfill it before I die. And I made it before we got married. Can you imagine? We've been married for 17 years. And my wife has never forgotten that promise. Once in a while, she reminds me. And I have made it a personal commitment that before I die, I will fulfill it. 
Sometimes it's better not to make a promise than to make it and not fulfill it. When we make promises and we don't fulfill them, we send a different message to the people that we have promised. But let's look at God and the promises that he has made to Jacob and see whether he fulfills them or not. The first promise will make you a great nation. Look at Genesis 12. You will see it's the same promise that was made to Abraham in Genesis 12. He made the same promise to Abraham that I will make you a great nation. So this is more like an emphasis of that promise. And then you look at uh, going down to Egypt. Also in Genesis 28 verse 15, he had told Abraham that your descendants will be slaves in Egypt. God had said that. And he is telling Jacob, I want you to go there so that I can make you a great nation. Uh, when he says that he will bring them up again out of Egypt, in Genesis 15, 12 to 15, that is a promise that was also made uh, uh, earlier on to Abraham. But let's look at uh, the fulfillment of these promises. In Genesis 49, 28 to 50, if you look with me, chapter 49, Genesis, Jacob dies. He gathers his children, he blesses them, then he tells them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah, near in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron, the Hittite. There, Abraham, his wife Sarah, were buried there, and Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried there, and there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. He's giving them instructions on where he wants them to bury him. Verse 33. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. That continues in chapter 50. Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. He died in Joseph's presence. Joseph will close your eyes. That is a promise that God made and it is fulfilled in Genesis 49 and part of 50. I will bring you back again. 
you look at uh, Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Some of you don't want to open your Bibles. You want me to read it for you. In verse 6, Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. The promise not only of bringing them back, but also of becoming a great nation. And then look at Exodus chapter 3. Sorry, that's the promise of becoming a great nation. Exodus 1, 6, and 7. And then look at Exodus chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 19. Another fulfillment. Chapter 13, 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath he said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. This is when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. They took with them the bones of Joseph, the remains of Joseph, because Joseph had asked them to, because Joseph also believed in the promises that God had made that he would return them to the land of promise. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So even the promise of God being with them was also fulfilled. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about the promises that he has made in the scriptures? I'm glad you asked. It tells us that God promises what he intends to accomplish. He promises what he plans to do. He does not just give promises. When he gives promises, he is committed into fulfilling those promises. I'm reminded again of uh, an event that happened when I was going to Kenya some few years back. And I think I've shared it here, but uh, it's relevant to this as well. When, 
we were on plane up in the sky, thousands of feet above, and we experienced turbulence, and the plane was shaking like you could. It's like driving on a rough road. That's how it felt. There was this one woman in the plane who started shouting, we are going to die. We are going to die. And, and she stood up. And, you know, when that happens, everyone is supposed to be seated, buckled up, and just waiting until we, 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 we go through that. This woman started shouting. She was scaring everyone. I was scared because of her, not because of what was happening. We are going to die. We are going to die. And... and the, the, the air hostess that were there, they came and tried to calm her down. She didn't listen. The pilot had to come to talk to her. And you know, the pilot is dressed. Uh, you, you will tell this is, this is someone in charge. And he came and he told this woman, Mom, this plane was designed with this kind of weather in mind. Please sit down and buckle up. And she looked at him, and she sat down, and she buckled up. And we all clapped. <laughs> and he went back, and everything was okay in the plane. Just his presence gave us some assurance. And when we arrived, I remember seeing this woman, when she alighted the plane, she stood at the door waiting for the pilot. And we passed by, we passed by, and I'm very curious, so I said, let me wait and see what she wants to do. And you know, the pilots and all the other staff come last. And when they came, this woman ran to the pilot and hugged him. <laughs> the pilot was still trying to understand what was going on. And she said, thank you so much. You promised me and you kept the promise. And the pilot just said, he was like, I, I don't know. The assurance from the pilot was enough to calm this woman who was anxious, who was afraid, and all of us as well. When the pilot said that that plane was designed with that kind of weather in mind, when I was preparing this message, I remembered that statement. That God's promises have considered the kind of life that we live and everything that we face in this life. When you look at God's promises, you will realize that those promises, I can say, are designed with the kind of life that we face in this world in mind. That when God tells us, do not be afraid, 
He considers everything that can make us afraid. His promises are designed with the life that we live in mind. And therefore, we have to find our confidence and our hope in this. Because God promises what he plans to accomplish. Let us look at some of the passages that reveal something about God. In Numbers 23, verse 10, the Bible says, God is not human that he should lie. Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie. Does he promise and not fulfill? Titus chapter 1, verse 2, God who does not lie. Hebrews 6, 18, Hebrews 6, 18, it is impossible for God to lie. You look at 1 Samuel 15, verse 29, the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. He does not lie. He cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. He is a God who does not lie. When he promises, he is committed into fulfilling what he has said. Now, as a Christian, that should be enough to comfort you. When God promises that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. He is committed into fulfilling that. But when he promises and he says, he who does not believe will perish, he is also committed to fulfill that. Just as he has promised heaven, he has also promised hell. Just as he has promised believers eternal life, he's also promised those who will not believe will be separated from him forever in the lake of fire. God will not send people to hell because he wants to send people to hell. He, people will go to hell because they have refused what God has provided for them to stop them from going to hell. If you are listening to us and Jesus is not yet your savior, I want you to know that he loves you. And he has promised that when you turn to him, he will receive you. When you turn to him in faith, he will forgive you. When you turn to him, he will save you. And you will become a child of God. And you will be a recipient of all the promises that God has given for his children. He gives his promises because he is committed to fulfill them. Two things that we see in God's promises. One, his promises express his commitment. This is, this, is, this is very important for you and me to know that God's promises expresses God's commitment. 
There are moments in our lives that uh, because of what we are going through, it becomes so difficult for us to even rely on God's promises, to trust God. Last Sunday I was asking here, does God always mean well? Because at times in our experiences, it's so difficult to believe that God means well. Some things that we face make it difficult to believe that God is committed into doing what he has promised to do. I think even, even, even Joseph, after he, he had the dream and what his brothers were doing to him, it, was, it must have been difficult for him to really believe that this dream, his dream was going to be fulfilled. And you and I find ourselves in the same spots. You may be having a, a brother, a sister, a friend, a spouse, someone that you love, that you've been praying for. You've been praying for their salvation. We have people in my family that we are still praying for their salvation. And we want to trust that God will open their eyes, that he will reach out to them. But sometimes it's so hard because it, it seems, it feels like it's not going to happen. Sometimes we are tempted to think maybe God is not committed into saving them. Maybe God has decided not to. But when you look at God and the promises that he gives, then you will realize that as Christians... We have hope. And in that hope, we can have peace. We can have peace because we know that our God is committed into fulfilling what he has said. We receive his promises by faith. And when he, fulf he fulfills them, our trust in him is strengthened. But we believe him before we even experience those promises. And as we see the fulfillment, that faith is strengthened. And that's how we grow. But it begins by believing him first. If I promise you, before I fulfill that promise, if you are going to receive my promise, you will have to believe at least you'll have to have faith in me for some time. Maybe you will change after realizing he didn't mean what he said. But at first, we receive what God has promised us by faith. And as he fulfills it, then our faith in him, our trust is strengthened. God's promises express his commitment. Here is number two and the last one. God's promises reflect his character. His promises reflect who he is. When he says something, he is not just telling us about what he wants to do. He is telling us about himself. When he says, I love you, 
God is not just telling us how he feels about us. He is telling us who he is. Because 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that he is love. He, his promises reflect his character, who he is. He is a God who cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. He is a God who does not lie. And you know, the devil is a liar from the beginning. John chapter 8 tells us that. In fact, it tells us that when he speaks the truth, he is lying. Because he is a liar and the father of lies. That is world apart when you come to God. His promises reflect his character because they help us realize that we can trust him to accomplish his will regardless of our experiences. Let me encourage you, my brother and my sister who are here. The best thing that you can do for yourself is read God's word. Because God's word will help you know the promises that God has given. There's a reason we say here that God's word is for us. It's because we know that even though it was not written to us, because we are not the original recipients of God's word, we were not in Corinth, we were not in Egypt, but we know that because we are God's children, because we have believed in this God, even though his word was not written to us, it is written for us. And if it is written for us, then we have every reason to read it. So that we can know what is it that God has said about me. What are the promises that he has given? And the best thing you can do as a child of God is to know what your father is saying about you. And believe it. Because everything he has said reflects. Everything that he has said reflects who he is. It expresses a commitment and it reflects who he is. So my encouragement to you is open the word of God, read it for yourself, and take those promises seriously because they are meant for us, because they reflect the character of God. God promises what he plans to fulfill, regardless of what we experience in this life. One day, our bones will be dancing in the presence of God. I 
I am so encouraged every time I read God's word because I know that what God has said has nothing to do with my power or my strength. It has everything to do with his power and his strength. And I also know that he will bring it to pass. And God has promised that if you die in Christ, you will also rise in Christ. He has promised that. So as a believer, that should not be a worry to you. That's a done deal. But he has also promised, he has also promised that those who follow him, those who know him, those who believe in him, those who continue to trust in him will experience his greatness here in this world. And his greatness may not mean that we are going to enjoy life. His greatness may mean that despite the difficulties we face, we will still have the ability to endure and that his peace will reign in our lives. Read God's word and please take his promises seriously. Father, I want to thank you for this moment. I want to thank you for your people. I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for the promises that you've given us. Lord, you know each one of us as if there was only just one of us. You know the things that we are anxious about. And like Jacob, I know that you have ways of calming our fears. And all the things that we worry about, how I pray that you help us to find those promises that you've given us in your word so that we may also find the hope, the peace, and the assurance that comes from you. And for that one person who is here or listening to us online this morning who does not know you, how I pray that you enable them to receive your promises by faith. How I pray that they may turn to you by faith, that they may repent by faith, and so that they can experience what you have promised, because you have promised to forgive us, you have promised to save us. And for that one person who believes in you, I pray, Lord, that in the areas of their need, you may remind them of a promise that you have made so that they can continually trust you and rely on you. I pray that you may be glorified in our lives in your own way. In Jesus' name, amen.